0: Good morning, everyone. I'm so glad to be here. And actually, I'm coming to you today, not really as a doctor, but as your brother here in the Lord. This is quite a place. We've been here four and a half, five years now, and we are constantly amazed, my wife and Lynn, how many people are in this church that we've met, and just said hello to a bunch of you, who are really pursuing Christ in so many different areas of your life. That's really sets a church apart, and that's what's so special about Garden City. And we are glad you're here as well. And God has given us some, some uh, comments this morning to give you. Now, if you've been coming to services through the summer months, you've heard Brian talk about the faith journey. And you've, ta- you've, you've, you've gone with him through Hebrews 11, and you've seen how God has revealed himself throughout the scriptures to real, everyday, blood-and-vessel people, and how they sort of worked to understand who God was, and God opened himself to them. You've also heard from Jasmine in recent weeks with thrilling uh, understanding of how we should approach people in our lives who really don't know the Lord at all and don't even realize at all that they have a spiritual need. And we've learned from Jasmine how to, how to respect the fact that God is always working and that you are walking into something where he is already involved. So we've learned that wisdom. But today, I want to I talk about one thing. I want to talk about life in the secular world. We're here today at this beautiful this beautiful space. I love coming here on Sundays where we can worship, we can run into each other. I love being in home groups where we can teach one another and pray for one another. I love those aspects of our lives. It's great. But let me ask you a question. How many of you tomorrow morning will be going to work in a secular workplace that really doesn't have a stated ministry goal? How many of you? All right, these are my people. Okay. and actually also some of your pastors do this you know you think of a pastor coach he goes to work in secular workplaces and he's out there you know making sure that people see what Christ looks like as a coach and as a leader of organizations and as a reconciler oh my gosh You know, we all just need to get an internship with Coach and just follow him for a week and see how he does that. And then Pastor Brian, even though he's in a sacred space, he's constantly engaging with the world around this church and around this community. And we love that. We see that. But for those of you who just raised your hand, you guys are going to work. You're going to leave out of here, and you're going to go to work just like I did. And that's where my entire life ministry has been in the secular workplace. Uh, God called me into a medical uh, environment, and you know, it was tough for someone trained in the Bible, trained to love the Lord, be with the Lord all the time, and suddenly you're in an environment where no one ever mentions God at all. It's like it's ne- God's name it never comes up, it would be just too confusing. And you know, almost just by attrition, you start wondering, do these people even know that God's around? You know, I remember in medical school, going to medical school, and the professors would go on and on, and you know, you learn your stuff. You know, you can't be good at work if you don't learn your stuff, so you learn your stuff. Then I go back to my apartment and I get down on my knees and I pray for this professor. Oh my gosh, this guy doesn't even know that there's God around. And that was kind of like my interaction with the secular world. Little did I realize I was already being prepared to live in two worlds, which is not good for Christians. You know, Guys, you live in one world and it's the kingdom of heaven. And you tend to be living as travelers here in this world that's sort of foreign to you. But you have an identity. And it's the kingdom of heaven. So this morning, I just wanted to spend a few minutes talking about what you need to bring Christ to the secular environment. Now, before you freak out, realize that uh, God's got you. You know, in 1 Peter 5.10, there's a guy that God worked with a long time. I love Peter. And by the way, my guy, you know, maybe you have favorite people in the Bible. My guy's Dr. Luke. Because, come on, he's a doctor. He's killing it. I mean, in a good way. I mean, he's actually loving people and 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 training them as 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 you know as followers. Oh, you need help with your skin infection? I got you. So I mean, this is a guy. So he's my guy. But Peter, you know, God labored over him and loved him all those years. And at, toward the end of his life, he said this. He said, you know, the God of all grace, who called you to His eternal glory in Christ, will Himself perfect, confirm. Strengthen and establish you. Now, if you don't hear anything else that I'm going to say the rest of this time, I want you just to stop for a minute. You know, there's some things, you know, sometimes the doctor, the nurse, and the care team will work on someone with a patient. The doctor says, I want to do this myself you know i want to do this myself and you just feel the sense that there are other people could do it but he or she wants to make sure that this is done in a certain way here's god saying you know when it comes to perfecting my garden city people that i love that i search for that i draw as worshipers i want to i want to i want to perfect them myself i want to develop them myself So realize that God's got you, and he is really focused on making you effective as his follower in that work environment that you raise your hand about, and you sort of have a funny feeling. You know, tomorrow you've got that big meeting. You've got that big exam, for those of you who are trying to qualify. You've got uh, that troubled client. You have that difficult financial account. But God's got you. I just want to say that. He loves the fact that you're in that environment. And he's changing the way you think about that work. So what do you need to enter that environment? What do we all need to enter that? And I'm going to say to you, there are three things that we need to enter that environment. And all all three things we're going to see this morning in a brief passage. If you want to turn to that passage, it's a familiar one. We're only going to look at part of it today. It's in John 4, verses 20 through 24. So you can have your finger in that or have your phone ready to, to read that in a minute. And you're going to see that Jesus is moving in all three of these things that I'm about to tell you as he works in an environment that's not very religious. Okay, can I say that again? Jesus is doing all three things. And I love the fact that our captain never calls us to do anything that he himself is not already doing. He wants you to be a soldier, he is a soldier. He wants you to be a farmer, he's willing to wait on the crop. And go back to heaven and say, guys, you got this. All right. You want an athlete? I'm going to run the distance and I'm going to give it all. Okay? So Jesus is already doing everything that he asks you to do. And that's cool because it's Christ in us, isn't it? So what are those three things? Now you're going to be surprised and when you first hear them you think, well I got this. But maybe you want to think about this a little bit more. And these are the three things. When I, When I have thought about my own development right now where I'm at, and of course, I've made every mistake there is in the book. Everything that Jasmine talked about, I made all. I did that, did that, did that. You know. And then she says, "Now make sure you don't do this." I said, "Did it?" You know, everything she said not to do, I've done all. We all learn, and God loves us, and He takes us forward. It's okay. He trains us. All right. What are the three things? Number one, you need to be sure who God is to you. Number one, you need to be sure who God is to you. You say, well, Ron, well, I know God. I come here, I learn about God. I'm just saying all these great songs about God. I know who God is. Okay. But there's an important reason why I say that. You need to know who God is such that that knowledge thrills and reorients you when you enter the work environment. All right? You need to know who God is such that that knowledge thrills and reorients you. The second thing you need is you need to be sure about who you are. Okay, you think, well, I know who I am. Okay, Really? So some of you had that big exam and you failed that exam. And now you feel like your entire calling is in question. You know, that's all it took to question your identity. So we need to have a firm idea of who Christ is, but also who we are. And if you have a firm idea of who you are in Christ, you can defend any attack that's coming to you from the secular world around you on who you are. You know, I'm sorry, but other people just don't get the chance to tell you who you are Only Jesus does that. All right? Only Jesus does that. So they don't get the chance to tell you. And if you have a firm grasp on your identity in Christ, you're ready to to defend yourself when others assign you value that's less than who you really are. And then the last thing you need to work in the secular environment and really make a difference as a Christian is you need to recognize how your role at work is a primary place where God enters the world to transform people and to alter the outcome of your organization, of your community, of what you're doing. He does it by changing people. You know, they were all about profit, and now they're about, oh, maybe we can use this profit to develop this neighborhood. They were all about, you know, training young doctors, and now maybe we need to develop a different way of thinking about the patient that blesses and strengthens patients who are lost and struggling in our system. That's what happens when you begin to understand your role as a Christian at the workplace, you know God is entering that place to transform people, and it's going to change the processes, and it's going to change the outcomes of that organization. So that's pretty cool. So those three things. Let's unpack those just for a minute. And to help us do that, we're going to we're going to basically go to a place in uh, Jesus' life. You're very familiar, many of you, with this passage. But I'm going to show you how all the three of these things are happening with Jesus. Now, if you go to John 4 and look at verse 20, you already know that Jesus is in in a non-religious place. And I'm only going to give you a slight context about this. I don't don't really care about the whole passage. Just just right now about what we're focusing on is worship. So here's a point. That Jesus actually was in a place that wasn't religious. Sychar is a village in Samaria. And it's a place where, as many of you Bible students know, that 400 years before... Israel had been deported when they came back these people had a lot of pagan practices they were immediately seen by the rabbis in Jerusalem as we don't want you people as part of our fellowship so they had to worship on their own because they were outed you know out put out in the out you know outer banks out here where they can't really be part of Jerusalem so they're not people that you would really think as religious people that's why the story when Jesus brought the good samaritan story and said hey do you want this samaritan taking care of you as the good neighbor everybody was freaked out well we all know they're bad and yet here's the good Samaritan who is your neighbor. So all of this is going on. Jesus is in the wrong place, quote unquote. Jesus is talking to the wrong people, we've got this woman here who's coming in the middle of the day, and it's worse. She's not only a Samaritan, but she's also a person the Samaritans don't even like. Because she's had all these failed relationships. So we've got the Son of God, the Holy One of Israel, coming out there to this distant place, out of his normal, you know, out of his lane, as they say, and speaking to this woman. And they're already in the middle of this conversation. So we'll pick it up there. And, and she says to him, she starts talking about their worship differences with the Jewish people, because he's obviously Jewish. So she says, You know, our fathers worshiped on this mountain here in Samaria. But you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. So she's really wanting to fight here. Let's fight about let's fight about the religious thing here, about God, okay? And then Jesus said to her woman, So we're going to unpack what Jesus is saying here. I love this, that Jesus is revealing himself and he's looking for a true worshiper and it's this woman. Alright, so these people at work that you think have no interest in God, look out. Okay? Look out, because God's already love. he's in a relationship with them and he knows where they are and they're just so hurt and they're so broken and if, and if you go gliding by there on your way to like, I don't know, what's next without noticing, you're going to miss the fact God's already at work. Jesus said something so lovely once. He said, you know, my father is already working, John 5:17, And I, too, am working. I love that. You know, you guys want to know what I'm doing out here in Samaria? God's in Samaria. And he's, like, on the move. And he's got this person. And he's, he's loving and listening to this person. And he's about to, you know, make sure that... Can you hear me better? Hear me better now? Good. He's about to make sure that a true worshiper is formed out there in Samaria. Really cool. So let's look at that first thing that I mentioned earlier. We need to be sure who God is and that that knowledge thrills and reorients us. You know, one of the things I love about the preaching from this pulpit, and I have witnessed it, is that so many times our wrong notions that we walk in here with come on now, we were raised a certain way, we've had experiences, we watched that, you know, eight, we binge watched that eight, uh, that eight part Netflix series, and the, the way we think about God has been altered, it's been changed, it's been added on. It's God, but then this other thing. So we come in here and we listen to our pastors and they gently correct that part of us that is not about God anymore, that is something added. And they strip that away and they say, here is the real God. Here is the true God. Here is how God loves and how God moves through these barriers and loves these people in your life. And we are corrected and we go home and we're changed by that. That's what's going on here. I've, I've sat here under the teaching, and, and there's a lovely sense of gently changing who we are in terms of how we think about God. So Jesus is coming into this situation thinking rightly about God. Of course he is. He's Jesus. But he's also showing us as the captain of our salvation how we should talk to other people. We need to come with a firm grasp. Hey, God's not like you thought. I had a patient who uh, had two little kids who were... Uh, I am thinking think my ears are made for this. Two little kids who, who died, and it was sad. And all since that time, he'd hated God. We talked about it, and I realized right away, the real issue in the room here is that this guy thinks God hates him. So we stopped what we were doing with medication, and I said, you know, bro, we need to talk about this. God didn't kill your your boys. Well, you know, he was there. He did it. We worked through that issue. And, And that whole conversation was about something false that he was learning about God. We talked about how, how where God was in 9-11. We talked about where God is. God is in the middle of the pain, in the middle of the suffering, and he is actually bringing his redemption through the middle of that. We talked about that, and I believe that day, one slight hazard that had happened in his life was removed as he began to seek for God again, as he became a true worshiper instead of altered by the wrong thing he was thinking about God. So see, before you even go to work and start living and start explaining God to people, you and I need to be enriched constantly in who we see God to be. All right? So, you know, one of my mentors, J.I. Packer, said, the knowledge of God is calculated to thrill the heart of man. Now, here's this old theologian, like, getting this absolute high, just thinking about God. I think that's amazing. It's calculated to thrill the heart of a person, just to recognize God loves you better than you thought. No, do you think that God forgives you because he has to? Like the Frenchman said at the end of, I forget the book now, uh, The Tale of Two Cities. No, no. The fact is, God forgives you because he wants to. And that's God. And God seeks you because he wants to. Not because you're seekable, because he wants to. So, constantly, our perception of who God is, is being Transformed. True, here's another interesting statement that was said by A.W. Tozer. I love him too. What comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Let me say that again. What comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Yeah, that's why I'm spending all this time. Because if we think poorly or wrongly about God, it doesn't matter what we do next. Everyone's going to be off on the wrong track, including you. So constantly the Spirit of God is seeking for worshipers who both know true things about God and also have the Spirit that awakens their ability to understand and love God from the darkened self we were before we became Christians. So God is looking for true worshipers. And he came that day to Samaria to someone that everybody there had forgotten about and tried to stay out of the way of. That's why she was there in the middle of the day. Nobody else would draw water with her. But Jesus was there. Now, is that not cool? God loves that annoying co-worker that you work with, that you just barely can stand. God loves that person who's really vocal about how they just hate that you're so religious. God loves them and he's in some relationship already working through their life. He's got it. And and he's doing that. And I love the fact that, that we're reminded that what someone knows about God is about to change because you just arrived. You know, when you came to that company, when you came to that uh, study group, when you came to that committee, something shifted because the kingdom of God came close to that group. So true knowledge of God's nature, his actions and his focus leads to reverence. Now let me just give you, if you're young in your faith, many of you guys are awesome and I'm learning from you all the time, but if you're a little younger in your faith don't know how to do this, You know, when you study the Bible, just open the Bible. Let's open Psalm 146, for instance. Take your pen or your highlighter on your phone and go through everything that God is doing in that psalm and suddenly you're going to see that maybe your idea of God needs to grow. Okay, who God is. And that's our first point, is that you need to think truly about who God is so that you can worship Him in a different way. So Psalm 146, here's a couple of things, just a couple. You can find the rest. The Lord opens the eyes of those who are blind. The Lord raises up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over strangers. Hmm. The Lord supports the fatherless and the widow, and he thwarts the way of the wicked. When you underline those things, if you're wondering, those of you who are struggling with prayer this morning a little bit, yes, this is on point. Okay. When you study the Bible that way, you now know what you can pray about. You can thank God that he's engaged and involved with these people in your life who look like nothing's really happening. Oh God, you're working with the people who are blind to your spiritual truth in my workplace right now. I love you that you do that. Oh God, I love the fact that you're watching over a stranger because this new person just joined the team and they're like totally awkward and I'm going to like spend some time with them. You know, in my medical school class, we had a medical, we had, God has been so kind to me. I went to this godless medical school and then instantly God gave me this whole group of Christians who just loved God. I mean, this is a group that was amazing. We had our own secondary education along with learning, uh, you know, the red cell and leukemia and everything else that you have to learn. We also learned how to love patients and love each other because these Christians were there. And I love that. And in our class, there was this, this one patient, I'm sorry, this one learner. She was really struggling. And I'll just call her, uh, you know, Cynthia. And so Cynthia really struggled. And, you know, no one wanted to sit with her. No one in our medical class would be with her. She was mad at everybody all the time. She'd come from a really tough background. And she would raise her hand like the neurosurgeon is talking. And she'd say something so embarrassing like, I don't believe any of this. And, you know, everyone would just be shocked. But it was the Christians. It was my Christian friends who at midnight took her to get groceries. It was my Christian friends who took her to Sunday school where she raised her hand and said, I don't believe any of this. Okay. It was the Christian friends that formed relationships with her. And, and I just, that just breaks my heart with love. They saw that Cynthia, there was something there that wasn't quite right, that had been broken, and they just loved her. And, and she was embarrassing in every environment, and they just loved her anyway. I just love that. And I remember when my night came up to make sure she got to the store, my car comes up, we pull, throw her in the car with all her groceries and take her home. That's what we did. And I love that. I love how God finds people that, you know, nobody else is going to do anything with because they're just not there yet. So Jesus said, my father is working until now, and I am working. So think of the kindness. After you read the Psalms, why don't you go over to the Gospels and just follow Jesus around on his rounds. And see how he sits down with a widow. See how he spends his time you know, with some guy nobody in the religious community will even talk to. And he's sitting there, and that, yeah, that's, that's really, that's tough, isn't it? He's spending his time with them. Look at how God, because that's God. Wherever Jesus goes, that's God revealing who he really is. So you can read the Psalms like Jesus did as a little boy, then go over there to Gospels and see how Jesus lives it out. It's wonderful. What I'm trying to do in these few minutes is to stimulate your desire and your curiosity about knowing more about who God is. And you know what? You don't need to know everything exhaustively about God. It just needs to be true what you do know. Okay? That's all. You don't need to know everything. You know enough now. This woman became an evangelist to her entire city after 15 minutes with Jesus. So I can safely say it doesn't take a lot. It just takes true knowledge. Okay. So the first thing is are you growing in your knowledge of who God is and are you spending that time to allow him to tell you yep, this is who I am. All right. And so we'll leave it there. I I did want to say that you know this process... You know, this process goes on throughout our entire lives. I don't feel like, you know, you're done yet. We're just constantly doing this. In my life, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, when you're so engaged at work, even Christians don't understand what you're doing. So you have to sort of share that with your Christian community. My wife, we were at a different church and we were started in the new members course, and I was on call every other weekend, and my wife was in class, and you know, we were start I'd be there and I'd be really engaged and I'd be gone. I'd be there and really get you. I'd be gone. So one of the women came to her and said, we're so sorry about your husband. We know he's backsliding. And and she says, no, he's on call at the hospital, you know. And so, so the fact is, you know, people can misunderstand that you're so committed like you are. But the reality is that knowledge of God is going with you into the secular workplace. And that's just so important. Now, there's one other thing that we learn here from this passage. And that is that where you worship is not confined to the church house. And this is really good news for Garden City. And many of you guys already know this. But you know, when Jesus is talking to her, she says, well, we worship on this mountain. You people worship on your mountain. And she's like saying, God is only, you know, can only reach God at these certain places. And Jesus said something radical and astounding in this passage that changed my life. I'm over there at the hospital. You people are all are worshiping. It's Sunday morning. It's like 7.30 in the morning. And I'm looking through my list of patients and thinking... Well, it's another Sunday. But what Jesus said here completely transformed that for me. He said, you know what? The time is coming. In fact, it's already here. When you people will not worship in defined places, but you will worship everywhere 24 7. Now, before you freak out and think, well, I can't sing everywhere. I can't pray everywhere. No, but worship's interesting. We find out from Brother Paul in Romans 12 that worship is really about what you're doing with your actions in your hands. It's turning around and responding with what you know about God in the actual environment that you're in. There you go. So worship. So I, I think this is good news for Garden City. All right? Because we're, we're tanking up in here. But you're really going to worship tomorrow at 8 a.m. when you hit that workplace. And how do you do that? Well, when this when I read this scripture, I was just so excited. I, I I've been there. I, I this is how I did it first. I I went in the elevator and I thought I'm going to work. Everybody's at the church house. They're singing and praising. I'm just going to worship God right now here. So I'd be praising and worshiping in the elevator. The elevator were open. Several nurses would hurry along. Okay, who's this guy? This guy singing in the elevator, you know. And but I was worshiping the way that I thought I should worship. Gradually God showed me. That's great. But I want you to be alive and alert to me by what you know about who God is in this place. Maybe God is working with patient number four and you don't know it. Maybe God is working with this entire nursing team who's so stressed out. Maybe there's something more going on there. And I began to realize that worship is about how I live. There's a great verse about this. I'll just mention it. Mark 12:30. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart All your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. You know, somewhere in all those things is everything you're doing. You're cooking dinner, you're doing it. Uh, You're meeting friends, you're doing it. Something in that statement. And with your strength is all that you try to do with work. You can love God with that. It's worship. How about that? You know, you can say, God, you know, help me as I lay out this plan, this business plan... And let me do it with the detail that honors the people in this plan, just the way that you do lay out and love me and and work the details in my life. Let me uh, sit with this family and let me honor the fact that they're different and they're struggling, just like you do with me. You see, pretty soon there's this combination of that. So the first thing is, what we know about God is really important. What about us? I'm just going to spend just a minute with this. The second thing is, we need to be sure who we are. Why do I say that? Well, because pretty soon in an environment you're going to get people who are struggling at an earlier place from a spiritual thing, they're going to push back. And pretty soon they're going to tell you who they what they think of you. So you have to know who you are. So Jesus not only was worshiping his God that morning, that bright morning in Sychar, in the Samaritan village, he was also aware of who he was. He said, if you had any idea who you're talking to, it's right there. If you had any idea who you're talking to, you would know I could give you living water. You can read that rest of that passage, it's awesome. So he knew who he was. That's so important for you. Who are you? Well, you were someone just living here for the moment. But God has made a true worship out of, worshiper out of you. And he put you in his family, his household of faith. And he's made you a different person. Ephesians 2.19 So then you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Well, That's awesome. And so, you know, right now, this morning, guys, you enjoy the love of God. It's flowing like waves over you, and you don't even feel it sometimes. But it is. All right? The sacrificial, deep care of God demonstrated in action by Jesus Christ. But God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. So God God has demonstrated that love. And you also enjoy God's solemn promise, I will make you like my son. Wow! I will show you how to love in any circumstance. I will show you how to recover quickly. I will show you how to worship in any space 24-7. I will make you like my son who can love anywhere. What a promise guys! And you're enjoying that this morning. You're sitting here right here. If you love and know the Lord, that's your promise. And I am confident of this very thing. That He who began a work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus, Philippians, Paul told his friends. So the last thing is we need to recognize how our role in work is a primary place where God enters the world to transform people. And in doing so, he transforms processes and outcomes. What I'm really talking there about, Brian, is a theology of work. And I really do think at some point, somewhere... We need to have more conversations about that because we spend 70% of our lives at work, okay? And nobody told me, they just said, hey, just go in there, son, take care of these patients. You're a Christian, that's okay. Just get it done. So I'd love to have, and there is, there is great teaching in the scriptures about the theology work, how we think about our work and how God thinks about our work. But I'll just say this morning that Christians who are biblically based actually have a coherent, consistent and comprehensive approach. To their work that life, I'm sorry, their work life that orients them toward perpetual, constant excellence, integrity, and strengthens any organization that they might join. Look at that. Just because you showed up, because you love God and you know that your work is worship, you're laying it down. And those people over there are going to change. I just finished 44 years. I I can't, you know, we can never measure all the stuff, but I'll just tell you what. My heart is full. Because in the organization that I was in, we brought Christians in there who are young doctors and nurses. They're loving the Lord and they're over there worshiping. They're on call night right now. And they're worshiping the Lord. And they're living this out right now. And our organization changed. You know, we were all about just getting these people trained, certifying all these people, getting them out of here. But what really changed is suddenly we were turning out a different kind of doctor. Doctors who care about their patient to the level that they're able to sacrifice for them. Doctors who are able to listen better. You ever have a doctor who doesn't listen to you? Happens all the time, right? Yep. Okay. So we want a different kind of doctor. So what I'm saying is, you being there is is going to transform lives and also the outcomes of that organization. Worship can show up in our work in unexpected places. And, And so as we become more sensitive to who God is, it changes our prayer. God, I just love that you open the blind eyes. I just love that you think about me this way. I just love that you go after me. It will also change the way you are at work. And you will perform your work as a kind of worship. I'm going to invite the praise band, the worship band, to come back and join me here as I finish. So we've talked about the three things that you really need. You need to be growing in your knowledge of God such that as, such as it's true knowledge. You can do that in the scripture, coming here and listening, looking for the, the face of Christ and your friend who's loving God. You're growing in who God is. Secondly, you need to be secure of who you are. Hey, Students in here, one exam can't define who you are. You belong to Jesus. Don't you let that define you. You let God use that to shape you and to grow you and become the better version of who you are. And for you retirees, life isn't over. Okay? You just started and God's got a whole other chapter for you. And for you people who just got this job and you think this is terrible, God is working His purpose in that job. So look for Him in that job. So I want to finish with this statement. I love this. This is from The Message. It's a paraphrase by a brother who who, who labored in a, in a pulpit for 35 years and then thought about what this passage was saying and then wrote this, and I love it, from Romans 12. Just listen and see where you fit in this. I love it. So here's what I want you to do, Paul says, God helping you. Take your everything, your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Lord God, thank you for this story of Jesus sitting by this well. It just always speaks to me and breaks my heart. You found the person who, who thought they could never be a worshiper and you turned them into a true worshiper in spirit and truth. Can you do the same thing to us this morning, Lord God? Will you make us true worshipers in spirit and in truth? Spirit because the spirit of God speaks to our spirit and transforms us. Truth because truth was found in Jesus Christ. Lord, make us true worshipers this morning. And Lord, when we walk in the workplace tomorrow, oh God, we know you're coming with us. Open our heart to the people around us. Let us bring the gifts that we use here to the workplace. Let us see the people around us as a place where God is on the move. Let us listen with patience. Let us love relationally. Let us recognize the truth that's being born in those around us. Lord, we commit ourselves to you this this morning. We thank you for your love. In Jesus' name.